so good. Thank you, guys. And good morning once again. So thankful to be able to celebrate Easter Sunday with you. Uh, there's a lot of authentic excitement that comes with a day like this. But uh, just to kind of unzip the viscera a little bit and let you know about my experience, my life here. Uh, as a pastor, there's also an artificial excitement that's put upon you. I had a friend uh, named Jeremy send me a message like last night. He said, hey, tomorrow's Easter. And it's like, <laughs> you're right, yes. He's like, big day for preachers. Like, yeah, it's like, it's like the Super Bowl. Super Bowl of preachers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. And then uh, images of the Chiefs in the last Super Bowl flashed to mind. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, this could mean a lot of things <laughs> being the Super Bowl. <laughs> but uh, what I want to focus on is the authentic excitement. That which comes naturally from what we're celebrating today. That's enough to make me want to karate chop my Bible as I preach. That's enough to make me want to chicken step across the stage, you know. I'm, I'm not that kind of a pastor usually. I'm not the, I'm more of the teacher, you know. I'm not the, like, yeah, but dab, but do, you know. Uh, but, you know, it may leak out a little bit today because I'm excited. I am excited today. Uh, this is our third part in a three-part series called an Easter liturgy that we've been uh, spending time with in the Psalms leading up to Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, which is today. Two weeks ago, we started by looking at Psalm 22. Last week, we looked at Psalm 23. And today, oh, baby, Psalm 24. This has long been considered a messianic trilogy, a liturgy of sorts, uh, regarded by the early church as looking forward from the psalmist to the Messiah and what the Messiah would endure, but also accomplish for those who believed in Him, those who looked to Him to be their King. So today we're going to look at Psalm 24. But first, um, I feel like I have a limited uh, wheelhouse of things I can talk about, but um, I want to start by talking about after-school skating parties. Uh, um, does anyone remember after-school skating parties? I... I hope they still happen. Do they still happen? I mean, not since COVID, of course, but do they still do after-school skating parties? I mean, I've homeschooled my kids the whole way through, so I, we've never had after-school skating parties. That's just called afternoon. But um, if you've not had an after-school skating party, what's even been the point of school? I mean, really, they were the best part. They were the best part. Now, me personally, I was not much to see during couple skating. I could not do any of the fancy stuff, uh, backwards roller skating. Uh, I wasn't much to look at during the limbo. I was too tall. Uh, or the big dice game. Did you ever play the big dice game? Yeah. But I think if you asked my friends at the time, I think they would all agree that I was a force to be reckoned with when it came to speed skating. There's not much that would stand in my way. I was wiry. I was wiry. My slender frame was fast and aerodynamic. <laughs> Speed skating was my jam. Do you, those of you who went to after school skating parties, do you remember the speed skating songs? I mean, they'd play like Total Eclipse of the Heart and stuff, that kind of stuff for like the couple skating and things. But when it came to speed skating, they took it up. They went next level. I think of We Will Rock You or We Are the Champions. Uh, I think of The Eye of the Tiger. I think they chose these songs. Uh, Highway to the Danger Zone, anyone? Yeah, these were the songs they ramped up to begin the speed skating because it did something to us. These songs, they quickened my pulse. They quickened my pulse. They, they caused my hands to ball up into fists. And they caused my eyes to get all squinty and narrow like Clint Eastwood. 
you feel me, you know, you remember. These power anthems were chosen on purpose because they were epic. They sung, they reminded us, they drew our attention to themes of epic conquest, of sweet victory. They focused our energy. They strung my muscles like a bowstring. They brought out the best in me. These songs, these memories, these moments of glory, they were all mine to savor. I may be overdoing this a little bit, but you get my drift. When I think about my childhood, these were some of the best, best times. They were mine. Now, likewise with the Israelites, they too had power anthems. <laughs> they had power anthems. They had their own speed skating songs, if you just go with me. In times of victory and of deliverance, they had a playlist in the Psalms that helped express their deepest emotions. They had songs that they looked to in the Psalms that got their eyes all squinty. They got their fists pumping in the air. They had their playlist too. They had their power anthems. And Psalm 24 is probably one of the most exuberant, the most celebratory of all the Psalms. And I'm glad that we get to spend time there today. Not surprisingly, Psalm 24, as I mentioned, is the culmination of this ancient Messianic trilogy, this liturgy that we've been spending time with in Psalm 22, 23, and 24. And we find that it is pointing us, pointing us, pointing us over and over toward Christ, toward Christ and His crucifixion, His death, and now His glorious, glorious resurrection. Praise the Lord. Considering what happened... While Christ was singing the lines from Psalm 22 in His suffering, and what He was singing in Psalm 23 in His death and being laid in the grave, the words of Psalm 24 rumble. They rumble from the outset with sheer expectancy. You don't get too far into Psalm 24, it creates masterfully this tension. It's like, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh no. Oh, what are we going to do? And then it just erupts like, here it is! It's like, you feel it. I know. Psalm 24, verses 1 and 2, The earth is the Lord's, and everything in it, the world and all its people belong to Him. For He laid the earth's foundations on the seas, and He built it on the ocean depths. The psalmist focused, he, he starts off by setting the stage. The earth is the Lord's. Everything in it belongs to Him. Then the psalmist's focus is sharpened as he turns his attention to who might be worthy to climb the mountain of the Lord, who might be qualified to stand in the holy place. Verse 3, Who may climb the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in His holy place? Only those whose hands and hearts are pure, who do not worship idols and never tell lies. They will receive the Lord's blessing and have a right relationship with God, their Savior. Such people may seek you and worship in your presence, O God of Jacob. Oh yeah, sounds easy, right? Who is worthy to receive God's blessings? Who can open up the way to a right relationship with our Creator? Uh, enter into the, the real worship of the one true God? Well, easy. Clearly, anyone who has pure hands and a pure heart. Anyone who is innocent of idolatry and anyone who is free from telling lies. Show of hands. That narrows down the list. 
Oh, crud. That's our, our shared response to like, oh, who can climb the hill of the Lord? Oh, this is the checklist. If you meet this, welcome. Oh, crud. Oh, crud. Who's left? Can anyone do that? Do you sense the tension here? He doesn't point directly at it, but it's there. Who can climb the hill of the Lord? Oh, easy. Anyone who's not sinned. Anyone who doesn't tell lies, doesn't worship idols. Anyone whose hands and heart, they're clean. Line up here if that's you. Cricket, cricket, tumbleweed, dog barks in the distance. No one lines up. <laughs> Hopefully, my hope, your hope, the Israelites' hope, our hope is that someone is more qualified than me. I hope there is someone more qualified than you. Someone who is not so mired in sin and self. One who has not lived a life that has made them dirty and broken like me. If I sing this song, I feel this tension because I am disqualified. I am disqualified. But thanks be to God. Thanks be to God there is one who is pure. There is one who is clean. There is one who is worthy. There is one who may stand because there is one who has overcome the power of sin. Finally, the anthem erupts with exuberant praise of this victorious one. Yes, there is one who has been proven invincible in battle and has now become the conquering king of glory. Open up, ancient gates. Open up, ancient doors, and let the king of glory enter. Who is the king of glory? <laughs> it's the Lord of heaven's armies. He is the king of glory. So rich, so inspiring. If you look at this, uh, you notice that there's a couple places along the way where it says interlude. Does your Bible say interlude off to the side? If it helps, imagine that's like breakdowns, like guitar solos. Just like one of the musicians just tearing it up at these transition points. Because we're flowing with a metaphor here, guys. Breakdowns, guitar solos. So, as the energy and the power of Psalm 24 builds to its crescendo, we find ourselves fully alive in the presence of our long-awaited Messiah King. Now today, Christians around the globe are celebrating the resurrection of our King of Glory, Jesus Christ. Right now, all around the world, people are saying the same kind of thing. People are raising their hands in the air saying, Praise Jesus, He is the King of Glory. I love that. He who we saw arrested, whom we saw beaten and humiliated, crucified and killed on Friday, is no longer dead. The tomb is empty. He is risen. Easter Sunday has long been called Resurrection Sunday. Has anyone called, heard it called Resurrection Sunday? I think this is perhaps a more helpful name. Why? I think it helps prevent Easter from becoming one day on our calendar. It helps prevent Easter from being a holiday rather than a life-shaping reality. The resurrection is something we live into. It's not something we just celebrate because it's on our calendar. Holy smokes, this shapes everything about who we are and who we are becoming because of Jesus. Resurrection Sunday is not the end of the Easter story. It is the climax of the story. And what is the story? It is the story of how God is making all things new through His Son, Jesus Christ. 
Just as Jesus appeared to many after his resurrection, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 that he was seen by, spent time with over 500 people. And oftentimes in the Bible when it said 500 people, it meant 500 men. And so I wasn't even counting their wives and children and all the other people around. Many people saw Jesus resurrected. And many of those at, Paul, at the time of Paul's writing were still alive. And Paul says, go talk to them. Most of these people, they're still around. You can ask them what they saw. I'm not just trying to feed you a line here. Go ask. Jesus rose from the dead and was seen by over 50 or 500 people. So just as Jesus appeared to many people and as he restored the disciples' hope because he spent over 40 days, or he spent 40 days with them after the resurrection, just as the story of the resurrection played on from Easter Sunday, the resurrection story continues in us as well, for us. The Easter season itself, as part of the, the church calendar, as the Christian calendar, it invites us into this resurrection reality for seven weeks. So from this day, for 50 days, we are in Easter, the season of Easter. And every Sunday we're celebrating and remembering, rehearsing resurrection. And I think that's important. Just as we spent 40 days or however long for, for Lent, the Lenten season, this is a season as well. And I think it should be. It should be. Every Sunday is an, an Easter celebration up until Pentecost. But guys, guess what? It doesn't even end there. It shouldn't end there. For Christ followers, every Sunday becomes a celebration. Every Sunday becomes a, a joining together reminder of what Christ has done. Each week, we get to come together and announce His victory. You and me, we get to say, He is risen he is risen indeed. He is victorious over the grave. As resurrection people, Easter kicks off a year-round season of resurrection exuberance, giving us daily a reason to gather, to, to rehearse our greatest power anthem every single day, every single week. Guys, every Sunday is a celebration. And I pray that we, we, we see that. We appreciate that and we engage that reality. So returning to Psalm 24. Psalm 24 begins with an imagery-rich recollection of how things began, a recentering of the mind upon who is responsible for it all. Who's responsible for all of this that is? The first stanza serves as both an affirmation and a confession of God as our creator and our sustainer. But then, attention emerges. Wait, who can actually climb the mountain of the Lord? Who is actually able to stand in His presence? While the answer has always been the same, like I said, oh, easy, anyone with clean heart, clean hands, no sin or idolatry, the problem is we've all fallen short. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. None of us have any business being on the mountain of the Lord. None of us are qualified. I'm not qualified in my own, on my own. My sin has caused a real conflict. My sin has caused a death-dealing problem in my life. I am, in my sin, exiled from God forever. That's my story, and that's your story too. That's bad news. That is bad news. That is why we so deeply need good news. And that's what Jesus has accomplished for us. 
Because of, the, of our disobedience and because of the fall, we have all become dirty. We've all become impure. We all sin. We all worship idols. We all tell lies. And we can't stop. We can't stop doing it. Have you ever tried? Okay, resolve. From this day forward, I'm never going to do that again. You said that to yourself before? I'm never going to look at this on the internet again. I'm never going to tell a lie again. I'm never going to cheat this person again. I'm never going to speed again. <laughs> Have I covered everything? All right. <laughs> we can't stop sinning. We can't stop making ourselves dirty. We can't stop disqualifying ourselves. It's so frustrating. It's like the, 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 in our society, in our culture, we get this message that you, you do you, you be you, you've got what it takes, just believe in yourself. No. Have you actually tried that? How discouraging. I pray that there's more potential, there's more ability, there's more options than just me. Because I can't stop doing the wrong thing. So discouraging, so demoralizing. We, therefore, because of all this, we are no longer able, we are no longer qualified to approach God and receive His blessing. We are no longer able to be in a right relationship with Him on our own. As the just consequence of our rebellion and our unfaithfulness, we find ourselves unable to seek God and unable to worship in His presence. If you haven't picked up on it by now, this is a sad story. This is a, a, a sad state of affairs. This is a tragic tale. And as things are at the time of the psalmist, there seems to be no hope. Unless Messiah comes, until Messiah comes, who can stand? The stage lights grow dim. Everything is almost completely black. And the curtain is slowly coming down. And we together, we groan in despair. But, but then, we hear a snare beat. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah. The bass drum starts to kick. A guitar starts to growl. A laser light sweeps the audience. And a pulsing bass line starts to throb. Uh-oh. Oh, Open up, ancient gates! Open up, ancient doors, and let the King of Glory enter. Who is the King of Glory? Oh, your best macho man voice is appropriate now. Ooh, yeah! It is the King of Glory. <laughs> the Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, invincible in battle. Who is the King of Glory? The Lord of Heaven's armies. He is the King of Glory. Duh! I love how the Apostle John, John the Revelator, writes about this in Revelation 5. He captures well the awe and the reverence as the King of Glory is revealed, as Jesus Christ stands before the throne of God. If you have your Bible, you can turn over to Revelation chapter 5. Revelation 5. Then I saw a scroll in the right hand of the one who was sitting on the throne. There was writing on the inside and the outside of the scroll, and it was sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel who shouted with a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals on this scroll and open it? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll and read it. You sense this parallel tension. 
Who can open it? No one. No one can. Then I began to weep bitterly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and read it. But one of the 24 elders said to me, Stop weeping! Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir of David's throne, has won the victory. He is worthy to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb that looked as if it had been slaughtered, but it was now standing between the throne and the four living beings and among the 24 elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which represent the sevenfold spirit of God that is sent out into every part of the earth. He stepped forward and took the scroll from the right hand of the one sitting on the throne. And when he took the scroll, the four living beings and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they held gold bowls filled with incense, which, were, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song with these words, You are worthy. You are worthy to take the scroll and break its seals and open it. For you were slaughtered, and your blood has ransomed people for God, for every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God, and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked, and I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne of, and of the living beings and the elders, and they sang in a mighty chorus, Worthy! Worthy is the Lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea, they sang blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. And the four living beings said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshipped the Lamb. Do you see it? This exuberance, this tension, and this relief that comes in Psalm 24 is echoed in the final scene. In Revelation chapter 5, as the Lamb who was slain is seen before the throne, and He is found to be the one who is finally and fully worthy. Worthy. Who is able to climb the mountain of the Lord? Whose hands and heart are pure? Who is free from idolatry and lies? There is only one, and his name is Jesus Christ, the Lion of Judah, the Lamb of God, the one who is able to climb the mountain, to open the scroll, through his atoning work on the cross, and through the empty tomb. He alone is worthy. Hallelujah. So, the sufferer of Psalm 22, who, who endured the scorn and the torture of the cross, and the lamb of Psalm 23, who trusted in the good shepherd as he walked through death and feasted among his enemies, he now dwells in the house of the Lord forever as the king of glory. Do you see the ark here? The trajectory, it's beautiful. He is now anointed, he is now blessed, and he has now been raised to life. He ascends the mountain, he ascended the mountain of the Lord, and he has come into his holy place. So what do we do now? What is our appropriate response? What is our right response to that which Jesus has accomplished? Well, we don't need to wonder. The psalmist in Psalm 24 shows us the way. My friends, let's open the doors of our lives. Let's open the doors of our lives. Let's throw open the city gates of our hearts and let the King of glory do what? Come in. Open up your gates. Open up your doors. Let the King of glory come into your life, into your world. This is what we do. This is how we respond. 
In our world, in our city, in our neighborhood, in our church, and in our families, in our very lives, the King of glory is here. The King of glory is here. Who is the King of glory? In light of the resurrection, in light of the, His victory over the grave and over death, it is Jesus. He is the Lord strong and mighty. The Lord invincible in battle. Having been washed by His blood, forgiven of our idolatry and our sin, having been restored through His victory over death and the grave, we can answer together in faith and in confidence, it's Jesus. It is Jesus. He is the Lord of heaven's armies. He is the King of glory. My throat is getting so trashed. I don't normally talk this loud or this excited. The season of Easter, though, oh, this is Jesus' power anthem. It includes the crucifixion, yes. It includes His death and His resurrection and His ascension, but also the sending of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. There's a reason the season of Easter lasts until Pentecost, because that is when Jesus sends the promised counselor, sends us the Holy Spirit. These important moments, these important events become the power chords, the verses in this song, God's song of redemption, of reconciliation, and of victory. With the ascension, Jesus has ascended the mountain of the Lord. He has entered the holy place. He stands now in the very throne room of God. And with the coming of the Holy Spirit, it's as if Jesus is stepping out of the way, ascending and sending us out into the world. It's almost like he's taking the microphone now and pointing it toward the crowd. You know, as they do. I'm not a musician, but I think I've got the posture right. He's like, now it's your turn. Sing along. Right? You feel me? You've been to concerts. He's pointing the crowd, the mic toward the crowd for us to sing along, for each of us to lift our voice in this anthem of praise, this resurrection gloriousness. So really what it comes down to is, are you going to sing your part? I mean, if you're following after Jesus, will you open your heart, your mouth, your life, and sing your part? I hope that you will. Join in the celebration. Is your life announcing Jesus' victory? Is His resurrection resonating in your world? If not, why not? How can you be so quiet when Jesus has accomplished for us something so good? Sweet, fancy, what else does God have to do? I mean, really, is there a better story? Is there something else that would get you excited? May Jesus' victory... His resurrection resonate in every aspect of our life. May we lend our voice to the celebration. Jesus was punished and suffered death so that we don't have to. Jesus was God forsaken upon the cross so that we don't have to be. Jesus paid our debt. Jesus set us free. May you hear that in a fresh inspiring way again. Now, because Jesus has conquered death, so can we. Because Jesus was raised to new life, so can we be raised to new life. He is glorifying God in His victory over sin and the grave and is making all things new. And now, by faith in Jesus, we can be a part of that. That's the good news. 
Through faith in Jesus, we get to join in with what God is doing in Jesus Christ, making all things new. God loved the world so much that He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, so that whosoever believes in Him would not perish but have eternal life. So that, let's say it together, whosoever. Who is a whosoever? You are. You are a whosoever. You are one of the reasons Jesus came. I can't think of a better day than today to realize that, to embrace that, and to join in the celebration, and to join in this chorus of salvation. What doors can you open today? How will you let the King of Glory enter in? The anthem of Jesus' resurrection, it was never meant to be sung alone. In Revelation 5, we hear millions of voices. Our voices are part of that. Everything Christ endured, everything Christ accomplished was for God's glory. And it was for our good. Now we too can climb the mountain by faith. We can enter into that holy place and receive the blessing and have a right relationship with God because of the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the King of glory. So today, my friends, find your faithful voice. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, and you will be saved. Be reconciled to God. Be redeemed through faith in the risen Christ, and join today in the chorus. The song has begun, and the King of glory has arrived. He is alive, and He is here today. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, thank you for a reason to celebrate. Long lay the world in sin and error pining. God, we are so mired in our junk, in our idolatry, in our telling of lies. Our dirty hands, our dirty hearts, they kept us so far away. We had chosen a path that led us into such darkness, into exile. But God, that wasn't the end of the story. You put a plan in motion that you yourself would put on flesh, that Christ would come and he would live among us and live the life we couldn't live and die the death we couldn't die to pay our debt so we could be reconciled. And then he rose again to lead us as the firstborn from among the dead, the firstborn among many brothers and sisters, leading us into new life, into new creation, God. God, thank you for the good news that Jesus has overcome the world. He's overcome death, the grave, and now he is victorious, alive, and he is the king of glory. And it is his name that is put upon us when we place our faith in him. That his righteousness is bestowed upon us, covering over, cleansing us of our sin and of our rebellion. Lord, let this word, this good news be uh, planted deeply in our hearts today as we look to you as the author and the finisher of our faith, as our creator and our sustainer. God, lead us in the paths of righteousness as we follow after Jesus Christ because I want to be in your presence. I want to be lending my voice to the chorus around your throne in that most holy place. God, may my life celebrate and resonate the glory of Jesus Christ. And I pray the same thing for my friends here today, that our church would be a little local expression of people who are singing together the glory of Jesus. God, thank you for Easter. 
just a reason to, to remember and to celebrate, to join our hearts together. Thank you for what you have done. Thank you that you didn't lead us, leave us uh, in despair or despondent. But you made a way, though it was costly, you made a way. Thank you for the empty tomb. Thank you for the hope that you've given us in our King of glory, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. We view the giving of tithes and offerings as an intimate expression of faith and worship. Uh, we've got an, uh, several ways that you can uh, uh, worship in that way. There's an iPad in the back. There's a red box on the wall. You can also give online. Uh, we just want to make sure that we provide opportunity for that for you. Starting next Saturday night is our Spring Institutes uh, from 5 to 8 p.m. here at the church. Uh, we'll be studying uh, the New Testament You Never Knew by uh, Michael Bird and N.T. Wright. Uh, 5 to 6.30 is a date. So you can go on a date if you have kids, bring them. We'll watch your kids, go on a date, come back at 6.30. 6.30 to 8 will be our Bible study. It's going to be really great. But you've got to sign up, so see my wife or sign up online through the link. Uh, you were emailed uh, last week a feedback letter, uh, sent out a feedback letter to everyone on our list. Just uh, We're uh, really trying to relaunch, just kind of resurrection is the theme, that God is going to do a new work in us as we come out of COVID, as we come out of the pandemic, just believing that the best days are ahead for us. But that doesn't mean we're not um, uh, 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 doing everything right, <laughs> okay? We do have blind spots. We have some muscle memory we're carrying forward with us. Uh, we've been doing things like this for a long time, and then COVID just made everything weird. So we want your input. We want your insight. What are we doing well? What can we do better? Um, what opportunities do you see that exist, and how would you like to serve? There's four questions embedded in that email. We really need your feedback. So if you can search through your emails and find that and send it back to me or to office at hopeandanchorchurch.com, we would love to collate your thoughts, your suggestions, and your uh, observations as we want to do better. We want to just grow. We want to honor Christ, and we want to do well that which we uh, intend to do. So uh, we need your input because we don't want to operate in a vacuum. So hang around after worship. We've got some extra, uh, some special music right after we're finished up. It's going to be pretty awesome. Going to be fairly loud. So uh, hang on to your hats. Uh, anything else I missed? No students. No students tonight. Okay. Um, so thankful that we were able to worship together. Now if you will stand and pray with me as the Lord taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debts. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For our doxology today, we're going to read together. Not that. We'll read our Easter doxology together. There, there we go. Rejoice! The stone is rolled away. Grave clothes neatly folded. No more the smell of death. Behold the empty tomb. Hallelujah! He is risen. Rejoice! Scripture has been fulfilled. The sting of death is gone. The victory has been won. The risen Christ. Hallelujah, he is risen. Rejoice, the curtains torn in two. Our God invites us in. Christ's sacrifice enough to wash away our sins. 
Hallelujah. He is risen. May the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Thank you, everyone. Happy Easter.